Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the final episode of the year for the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye and... And Mayu. What's going on, everybody? We're going to be doing things a little bit different today. It's just going to be myself and Austin. We did one of these last year, right at the end of 2020, where we kind of sat down. We did some planning together, um, thinking about our overall goals for the year. We talked about the year in rewind. So we plan to do the same thing this episode. Hopefully, you guys get some good value out of it seeing all the goals that myself and Austin hit, but also the goals that we failed to hit, um, how the business has changed from our end. As you guys know, the real estate world as a whole has changed, but myself and Austin kind of um, have both made some pretty drastic moves this year. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about overall goals for next year and, and what we're trying to do, especially on the rise side as well, but also our personal and business goals as well. So Austin, let's start off as we do with every episode. How's the last week been? The last week, I've um, been very busy, man. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, the last couple of weeks have been pretty slow. Mm-hmm. Unless there are those real hustlers out there looking for deals on Christmas Day. I know a couple of our uh, previous podcast guests, they were looking for deals. Shout out to Adam Soji. He got one in Sudbury, a duplex there for super cheap. But I, I wasn't doing that. I'm, I've been taking it easy, relaxing. A lot of the time has been focused on planning for the next year. So I had some meetings with Waylon to talk about what key hires we're going to make for our business, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later in this podcast. And also we just finished our meeting right now for Rise Network and what we plan to do with that next year. And personally, just thinking about what my focus wants to be, whether that be acquisitions or growing, continuing to grow the cash flow. But um, that's really that's really it, man. Most of the time I've just been chilling, taking it easy, some planning here and there. How about you, man? What have you been up to? It's basically been the same for me. Uh, I think a lot of people, Christmas time, uh, it's very normal that, you know, it is pretty slow. I do still look for deals during this time though, because I like to look when no one else is looking. Um, The one thing I've noticed this year is that supply obviously being like super, super, super low throughout the year means that at Christmas time, it's even worse, right? So as much as you can, in theory, find occasional deals during this time of year, it is still um, pretty tough. Like I I looked for wholesale emails every single day. I barely saw any wholesale. Emails. No, there's no wholesale. Crazy, Look, man, man. People are not interested in selling the property during Christmas or Boxing yeah. Day for I, the most part. I bought my tiny Ontario flip from Michael Lee December like 27th or 28th last year. So I'm always like, you know what, this time of year, like I'm looking right. But um, there, there's just not, not a whole lot of inventory this time of year. So that, that's fine. It is what it is. Um, I, similar to you, I think it was more so I spent time kind of thinking about the business with myself, the various different kind of arms that I have. Um, so I did my, my own personal planning meeting where I just kind of like allocate two hours or so to kind of like set new goals and stuff like that. I did that earlier in December. Um, I'm doing one with my flipping partner early next year on January 8th. Um, and then I'm doing, um, I've got one more there for, for another business venture that we'll be doing kind of in January. So we'll just kind of finalizing the terms on that one. But look, like the last year has been crazy. So let's talk about the last year. Austin. Like, do you remember what your goals were that you set last year? Like, how'd you do against them and so on? So I know what my main goal is. I know it's terrible. I don't remember all of my goals last year, especially on the acquisition yeah, right, side. You, did you write it down for this year? I know. You know what? I actually started reprioritizing things. Yes, I do have it written down this year. Yeah. But last year, I think I was setting way too many goals instead of being laser focused on one. That's one thing I want to get into as a learning lesson, doing too many things at once. But 
my main goal last year was to focus on wholesaling because that's the reason I left my full-time job. Um, I guess that was a huge win last year. I ended up quitting in February, 2021. Um, but the reason why I quit is because I found another active source of income, wholesaling. So my goal with that was to blow it up into a seven-figure business within the first year uh, with my business partner, Will and McGill, who you might've heard on this podcast. And we were able to crush that goal, partly because real estate has been doing tremendously. So of course, as a result of that, you get bigger wholesale fees, but also we're able to make a couple of key hires, especially on the acquisition side that helped us continue to bring revenue into the business. Um, So at the end of the year, without giving an exact number, we ended up close to the multi-million range. Not exactly. There were a couple of months where we lost money. Um, you talking about revenue, right? You talking about revenue or net revenue? Okay. No revenue. Oh man, if it was net income, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, forget acquisition. Sorry, multi million net net. Uh, but you're talking revenue. about revenue as in your wholesale fees, obviously, right? Like, I don't want anyone to think that you're talking about like house sale prices because that would be stupid. You're talking about wholesale fee, wholesale revenue. fee assignment fees, exactly. So the the wholesale fees landed close to the multi million range, not not exactly. Um, and there were a ton of expenses within our first year. So our profit margin wasn't as juicy as we initially were hoping for at the beginning of the year, we're starting off at 65 or 70% profit margin, which is extraordinarily high, right? Cause yeah. we're doing everything ourselves, but a learning lesson there is, is that as we're doing everything ourselves, yes, we keep more money and net profit to ourselves, but we limit the growth of the business. We almost did not want to send out any more marketing material because we feared all of the work that came along with it just to get mm-hmm. the next deal as a result of that. You're starting to set hurdles on your own growth, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have the ability to take on more work. So then I think around mid, mid last year, not mid last year, around April or May-ish, we made our first key hire, which is the leads intake. So someone to basically take these initial calls as they came into our business. Right. So it's not Whalen that's taking these calls anymore. It's a lead intake and they vet them out and then pass it on to Whalen. But then we figured that our lead intake was doing a phenomenal job. Right. And we just had them starting to play the acquisitions role where we believed in them to lock up deals themselves. Uh, that way they make more money and it's obviously less work for us as well. And then we started continuing that model where we started getting more acquisitions managers. Now, here's one learning lesson. So the model that we're doing right now on the acquisition side of things is is that there's a revenue split commission-based type of split where the acquisitions manager gets uh, a decent percentage and the business keeps a percentage of the assignment fee, right? Um, so I, I think we can actually be transparent. It's a 60-40 split where the business gets 60, right? But then again, we provide all of the other resources needed for the wholesaling yep. side. Um, one big thing there is, is that like automatically your gross profit margin is our gross profit margin is lower than 60% um, immediately, not net profit margin, gross profit margin. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. 40% of that's going to the wholesaler. That yeah, doesn't include cost. your marketing, right? Like the cost associated with it. So really you're landing in probably around, let's say 50% or maybe like less than, a little less than 50%. You guys, hold on. You guys are paying 40% to the acquisition manager, even though you guys are sending out the marketing flyers and so on. Uh, no, so the marketing cost is split as well. Okay, 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 okay. It's split okay. in half, 50, yeah, 50 right? Um, but still, like, takes a while to get a deal. Yeah. Um, and then there's other variable costs associated with it, which is your marketing cost photos and videos the company pays for. Um, there's lawyer fees for the assignment deal, right? You got to get a lawyer on board. The company ends up paying for that as well. So that's not split. 
So there are other costs that the company is absorbing that goes along with this. So yeah. our gross is not, I mean, 50% gross. It's not a great markup, right? Like it's not a phenomenal mark. So that's something that I started to realize like, look, look, if you want to keep more profit in the business, the better model to do is you pay people base salary and a smaller percentage of commission so that your gross margins are significantly higher. Yep. And it's something that we've been, um, I, I, st- I wouldn't say we've been learning, but you're starting to see that more and more with these wholesales, especially the bigger ones that we catch, like the business is keeping a lot less. Nothing yep. wrong with that. That's what you need to do in the beginning of a business to minimize your expenses, right? But as you continue to scale, the focus is not only scale, growing your top line, but it's also like, how can you better um, kind of tighten up your your cost of goods sold, or in this case, cost of services sold, whatever it is, right? right? Like how do you tighten that up? So our next hire is going to be on the disposition side. And our model that we're, what we're doing is we're giving a base salary plus a commission, the commission significantly less. We could have yeah. just went with straight commission, but now we want to focus on keeping the expense line low. Um, so our future hires are going to be that commission slash base hybrid. I know I went on a tangent there, but that's <laughs> like the wholesaling side. We've, we've had a tremendous amount of success. Smash that goal. I'm very happy with what we accomplished there. Now it's minimizing the workload and also making adjustments to the business so that we are continue to grow as a profitable business. Cool. What about your other goals on the real estate side? Um, so I, I remember you had, I don't remember exactly how many units you said, but I remember you had a real estate goal. Um, I feel like you had a personal goal, like fitness goal, but maybe not. Maybe I was wrong. I, yeah. So whatever fitness goal <laughs> I had, it definitely <laughs> did, did not, not work out. <laughs> no, no. So it worked out the last, I would say the last quarter, last two quarters of 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fitness is one of those things that it's just so easy to push aside until you're fully committed to it. Yeah. And I'm not going to make any excuses. Honestly, I started working out at home. Uh, but everything was shut down. I was like, you'll fuck it. I'll just wait till the gym's open. And you know, the gym's never open. So like I never worked out. So it was an excuse on myself, um, but I'm making that a priority. I would say that's my number one goal. Uh, I guess we're not in the goal section. Right now. Yeah, we get into goals. But no, I've definitely failed it. And it was because a lot of excuses were made. Um, I didn't take it too seriously, but in the last half of 2021, I would say I committed to it more seriously. For the last quarter of 2021, I've committed to it more seriously. The yeah. last week, forget about it. Like, there's no commitment on the diet. The last week, that was just a total shit show. Um, and on the acquisition side, we didn't we didn't acquire as much. Basically, we ended up getting an eight unit, six unit, and a two unit, all in yeah. Northern Ontario. Um, yeah, that I mean, I was focusing on too many things. Like I think we, when we were initially speaking last year, my goal for acquisitions was much much higher. Right. Um, but I needed a, that was one of the mistakes that I made, right? Like focusing on too many things at once, which we'll get into a bit later. Right. But yeah, I mean, fail the acquisitions goal, but I wouldn't call it a failure. I would say that I purposely pivoted away from that because it took away from my more important goals when prioritizing. It, take, it takes a lot of time. Right. And I think when you're building on an active business income, it's easy to kind of go sure, Like this is making me way more money. Like I'm just going to focus on this for now. Right. And you can honestly always acquire real estate for the rest of our lives, right? So it's like, it, it's no real like race or anything like that, right? Yeah. Um, and it like, it's, it's a funnel for me. Like ultimately, like if I commit time to scaling the wholesaling over the long run, it will help me better on the acquisition side of my personal portfolio as well, because yeah. I get first look at all of these deals. 
Yeah, I think my goals from from last year, uh, unlike last year, I actually write them down. So I, I kind of know what they were. I, I'm sitting at my real estate acquisition goal. Um, I think it was to add somewhere around like 25 to 30 units. Maybe it was more. Maybe I was a little bit more obnoxious about it. But like I ended up um, adding a sevenplex, eightplex, nineplex single family house, um, which puts me, I think, at plus nine. Yeah, 25 units, right? Um, oh, so- you just squeezed it in. <laughs> you just made it. No, but honestly, I haven't acquired any real estate since um, August of 2021, right? And similar to you, that was more so as my active business, um, the mortgage side starts to really kick off. Like I dedicated more and more time towards that because I figured, you know what, the more that I can stabilize this business, it's going to help me for the next whatever years. As you know, finding a deal in today's market is much more difficult. So I'd, I'd find like occasional, like really easy kind of deals on the, on the single family houses and stuff like that. But I would just go, you know what, I'll just flip this, right? Because I don't really want to own those as rental properties. But multifamily, um, you're talking about cap rate compression across the market. Um, a lot of the deals that I found, there would be something that was like very sketch about it, right? Like very small market, having a lot of deferred capex, um, rooming house type plays, um, illegal units, different things like that. That I was like, you know what? I really don't want to deal with this right now. I'll defer that for like next year or so on. Right. Um, and I'm getting more and more, I think, into the kind of business side. So, um, my flipping goal that was to make 200 K in 2021 that failed, um, ended up making about 150 K in flips, uh, mortgage business. I cut myself way short on when I set my goal. For so pause, pause there. Why, yeah. why did you fail the flipping business? I uh, don't um, fail the flipping business. 150K is good. Why didn't you meet your goal? Uh, didn't do enough volume, right? So we exited three flips this year instead of four. So it's literally that. And the only, not the only way, the best way to do that is to kind of um, improve the renovation process because some of our renovations um, where we had to fire contractors, do shit like that. It took us like five months to renovate that house when it should have been a two and a half month renovation process. And consistently, one thing that's happening is now um, at the end of the renovation, we'll have a one month delay before we post on the market because something happens right at the end. So it could be furnace goes out, basement starts leaking, something happens at the end. Um, that we now have to address, right? Uh, so those kind of errors, that'll help us kind of um, re- reduce the period of time that we're holding inventory. That, that's a major focus. And I'm, I'm thinking we're also going to do some lower margin flips um, just to kind of keep our crew busy throughout the year, but also kind of help me get to that 200K goal for next year, right? So that we'll talk about that later. Um, my social media goal was a fail. Uh, probably starting like June or July of this year, I went half-ass on social media. So I think in... October of, or, or November of this year, I just went, you know what, something's got to change. Right. Um, and so I brought someone in to kind of help me on the social media side. Um, other than that, you know, a lot, a lot of my goals, oh yeah, the mortgage business, which I was talking about earlier, that one, I cut myself super low on. Right. So I, I made a very easy goal and I've like blown past that 100%. Right. But that's going to be a big focus for, for kind of next year. Right. So a lot of accomplishments. Um, I didn't, have a goal to quit my job in September, 2021, move that up to May. And that's been great. man. one of the best moves I'm sure we can both kind of say is that we quit our job and went into this stuff full time. Right. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my 2021 in, in rewind. Right. So why that we- sounds much more successful than, than my year. <laughs> um, no, but you-, oh, you know, it sounds a lot more organized than my year. <laughs> <That's Yeah. for sure. laughs> it seems like that, but you're actually, you're way more organized than me for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so accomplishing those goals definitely wasn't an easy feat. There was a lot of hurdles and obstacles along the way, which I guess we kind of alluded to a bit earlier. Why don't we just touch into that a bit more, Mayu, since you left off? um, I mean, let's go into some of the hurdles. Was there there any hurdles on 
your flipping business. I know one of the things you mentioned is renovations. Was there anything else that held you back from that goal or things you learned along the way that you want to improve on in the future? Yeah. The, the flipping business, it's really about reducing the time that I'm holding inventory. Like I'm not a fan of how long it's taking us to renovate and exit these houses. Um, I'd like to streamline the process a lot better, um, which usually involves getting more trades. So with the one consistent theme across my businesses is I need more people, right? So I need more people in my mortgage business. I need more people to do actual like bookkeeping, stuff like that. Um, I need more people to, from a contractors and trades perspective, I need more private lenders. I need different, different people. Um, so that's going to be a big focus of, of my next year is making sure I have the people in place earlier. Right. And the struggle with that is that usually it's a leap of faith, right? Um, because you don't really need trades and, and plumbers and stuff like that. If you're doing one house at a time, but if you want to get to doing two or three houses, you need to get more subs and more trades in place. Right. Um, similar with bookkeeping and similar with even on the mortgage side, the volume that I'm doing right now, it's a pain. Like it's a lot of volume, right. But I'm making good revenue and therefore like, I just haven't, um, brought anyone in. Now I'm like in the process of like finalizing one of three candidates to bring into the mortgage business. Right. So um, that allowed me to then increase revenue and, and keep kind of growing that business as well. You had a lot of different goals. Did you find that some of them had to take a back burner or there are things that, you know, like you weren't, I wouldn't say you weren't able to meet them all, but it was too ambitious as well. Cause you were doing a kind of things at once by yourself without hires. Yeah. So, so to be honest, I've never had more than three goals at a given time. Um, the thing is that I set 90 day goals, right? So um, for 90 day goals, for example, one, like, and we can talk about this later, but it, it'll be on rise, right? So that'd be my 90 day goal. Uh, my flip, my flipping business is not part of my 90 day goal. So the next 90 days, the mortgage business is right. So I'll have three key focus areas. One of them has always been personal health and fine, uh, personal health, right? Um, so I had a trainer. So I realized the first six months, similar to you, but the first six months, I didn't do shit. Uh, on the on personal because the gyms were closed <laughs> sure whatever <laughs> and then in may i just went fuck it like if i'm not doing it that means that i can't like something's got to change right i can't just keep doing the same thing um and, and hoping for better results right so then i hired a personal trainer and so the personal trainer i just go into the gym two times per week but it forces me to go in it costs me a lot more money sure but it's allowing me to kind of feel healthier and be a lot healthier right so similar to that, um, I did the same thing on social media. I, I was failing at my goal for social media. I went, something's got to change. I hired an individual to kind of help me keep me organized on social media, right? Um, what about you, man? What was your, your learning lessons? Um, what was your, your kind of takeaways from 2021? Man, one of my learning lessons for flipping, I guess since we were talking about flipping mm -hmm. a bit earlier, is, is that, so I finished my first flip. I've, I've never done flips before. I've either wholesale deals, I we guess wholesaled. we hold, we wholesale. That's yeah. not a flip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I would wholesale, wholesale or burr properties and flipping right. is a different beast in itself. So with one of the flips that we did as a business, Whale and I, there were just so many learning lessons with that. First and foremost is that we bought a property that was unique. Okay. Right. Um, and I didn't think that would be an issue because the area was very desirable, but it didn't match up to a lot of the houses in the area, which are a larger lot, more secluded. This right. one, like you could literally stand in the kitchen and see your neighbor's living room, right? Like, so that's one thing. Another thing is, is that the backyard space was extraordinarily limited because there was a huge shed in the backyard, which pretty much covered the entire backyard space. The front yard space, likewise, pretty limited as well. Um, so a very, very odd lot shape. Okay, that was one thing. Another thing that made the property unique is, is that there were easements and right-of-ways in the property. 
one thing that I mean, it's so silly, but ego aside, I don't it's just a mistake I, I want to own up to is that our condition. So when we waive the condition, we put an as is because it made the seller feel comfortable. But the as is we put was too clean of an as is this is as is regardless of easements uh, right aways, this, that, like we specified a list of things. And like when we found out as we we're doing more due diligence after waiving, there were right of ways and easements, which is just never a good thing with these properties. Mm. You know, for those who don't know what an easement is, basically our structure was going over our lot line to the neighbor's lot line. Okay. Which is oh. not, a, look, I, I thought you meant like a utilities easement or something like that, but no, yeah. Okay, so it's a shed. Really so that's like, that's oh, the big, shed, right? not the main house. No, but the shed is okay. huge. That shed takes the entire backyard. So okay. that's still fucking terrible. Yeah. Right. Um, there were just so many things. So right away is that so there's no parking in our actual house. It's the parking space is shared with the neighbor. Right. There's it's there, it's right away for the neighbor. Basically, okay, it's the okay. neighbor's it's the neighbor's parking space, but we get to use it as well. So it's not technically owned buy up. Right. right? right. Um, so there's all of these things. And when you're dealing with the property with the million dollar price tag, mm. um, these things are going to hint are, are a big hitter. When you talk about entry level homes, yeah, people are willing to more kind of oversee these things because they want to get in the market. But you're dealing with a luxury clientele with there's, there's limitations and uniqueness in the property. Um, and one thing I've always been an advocate of is doing your due diligence. But Sometimes you get like when you're going through the process, you get too amped up. You just kind of calculate the numbers and you're like, okay, worst case, it's fine. Like the numbers are still going to work out. Right. But then there's these things where you can't put a number to it. You don't know how much this impacts value. And even worse is, is that it might not impact value at all, but you might have a specific client that you're relying on to buy it that could have it be on the market for five or six months. Right. So there was all of these things with flipping. So to summarize that is, is that, I mean, when I'm focusing on flipping, I don't want to do properties that are overly unique, right? They need to be, and it doesn't need to be a subdivision, but it needs to be properties that fit the area. And it just doesn't kind of stand out from what's there in the area. So like if all of like, I'm okay doing rural flips, as long as it's in line with what other houses in those rural areas kind of are a large lot, it can't be a small lot. It needs to fit that buyer profile who would buy there. And I like this property clearly didn't. And there were, you know, it was a lack of due diligence, right? Another thing is the true cost of flipping. That was a huge learning lesson for myself. You know, my private money is not cheap, mm-hmm. but it is a good option for deals that make sense, right? Um, I didn't realize the cost of registering uh, a second mortgage on a property and how freaking expensive it is. <laughs> so we registered 100K, a second mm-hmm. mortgage on a property. Man, like after legal fees, that was probably around 5K just legals alone, not including like, I don't even know the cost of discharging is going to be another 500 to 1,000 on both sides, I bet. So 6K plus points, like we only paid one point, but that was a lot. That's like seven to 8K already just like, you know, without interest. Yeah, I I did the same thing. I did a hundred K private on, I think it was a tiny flip. And it like fucking probably cost me like twelve grand for like four months of private money. Plus, Does that like include interest your interest? Payment. No, plus interest. Inc- yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like the there's no economies of scale when you go for a small private, right? So anything lower than like hundred to two hundred k, anything lower than two hundred k, I say you got to go promno. You're better off paying a, a higher interest rate, but you go promno. You save on the legals. You save on all that kind of shit, right? Yeah, I mean we can definitely go into the numbers of the flip in a future episode. I'm thinking. 
Uh, I I just personally don't want to share right now until the deal closes. It's sold. It's firm. We had to do some concessions right before closing. So I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's like, with some properties, like it's better to just kind of accept and make those concessions. So like some of them were, it's like, we have to remove the oil tank from the property, which costs us about 1.8 K. It wasn't, it wasn't in use anyway. So it was just an outdated one, but they didn't want it there. Uh, Another one is, um, what was it? The sump pump, we, we need to have it pumped, which is going to cost like 350, 400 bucks. But like just some small things here and there where it's like, fuck it, let's just do it and get it over with. And we've learned our lessons from these flips and we'll move on to the next one um, yeah. with a more a kind of educated mind. Another thing is, is that, man, like there's so many costs to go to flipping. Sometimes people are like, yo, like we sold it for 500. It cost 100 to fix up. We bought it for 300. So our profit's 100K. No. <laughs> Your profit's not 100K because one, people don't talk about land transfer tax. They forget to yeah. mention about interest payments. They forget to mention about holding costs, insurance, um, property taxes that are incurred. Those are not negligible things. All of those things actually do add up quite a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and oh, the biggest one by far is your realtor fee plus HST on your realtor fee. <laughs> Some people just go to 5% or like 4%. I was like, dude, you know, you have to pay 13% tax on that as well right like yeah people neglect those things so i think like overall from a calculations and numbers perspective i've just like after executing our first flip we also did a wholesale i really sat down and looked at our profitability on it and it wasn't as much as we thought it would be for the wholesale in particular and i was like okay why is that and i just sat down and unplugged in all the numbers and i was like oh my god i didn't account for all of these things right so now like i'm going in much, much more conservative with these flips and actually knowing the true cost of all of these little things that go along with it. Um, yeah, man. But like, I'm sure that you're obviously well aware of all of these costs associated with flipping that you need to get a good deal to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. Cause I, I totally relate to what you're saying about, um, the unique properties in rural markets, right? Like we, we've got a flip going on in Prince Edward County right now. There's comps for like new builds, right? Which is obviously not a comp. But there's comps for new builds at like a million dollars. Then there's comps for really shitty unrenovated houses that sell at 400 grand, right? And then we bought ours for like 375 or something like that. Um, and so we're doing a full gut, but there's no old, like 50-year-old houses that are fully renovated that in Prince Edward County, every single, like, sure, there'll be a house that's fully renovated, sells for like seven, 800 grand, but it's on like acres and acres of land. It's like, fuck, like, you really don't know, right? So you, you kind of have to make an assumption of what the unknown is really going to be. And a little bit of it is to to be true. Like, to be fair, it's a gamble, right? If you don't have perfect comps, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, because that, that's the thing, right? Like your bottom line to your top line is about 100 to 150K difference. Yeah. Like if you were to get 700K, it's like, cool. If you were to get 850, like that's totally yeah. reasonable <laughs> as well. Yeah. Right? You just, you don't know what it yeah. is. Like the range is so high. So you got to like, be conservative, but not yeah. be stupid as well. Like you can't, you can't be calculating off 500 is, is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Let's um, talk about 2022, man. Let's talk about 2022. What's your, what's your goals look like for 2022? Yeah. 2022. I, I know I mentioned this before, but fitness is going to be a priority. Number one priority. <laughs> right? And I've already gotten into the mojo of things. Um, so look, my goal from a weight perspective is up down to being 170 pounds, which is, for me, I'm five, nine and a half. That's a good walking weight for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want to be able to fit into like those medium t-shirts again, bro. Like my, <laughs> my entire fucking closet like, is just 
they're just sitting there, right? This like, is what like oh, no one, no one really ever talks about, right? It's when you're growing the business, when you've got a million different goals and focus, usually like health and fitness takes like the back burner, right? Like I had really bad back pain. That probably highlighted my 2020 was like the entire year. I had fucking back pain on back pain. Like drove for hours. Like it was just like constant. Like I was going to physio, going to Cairo, going anywhere to like fix my back pain. All of a sudden this year I started working out more. Started getting into a little bit better shape. No more back pain. It's sick. It's been a fucking great move. So that's a good goal, man. Um, what are you going to do different for the fitness goal this year than, than last year? Let me challenge you on that. Oh, ultimately it's, it's just, I think it's consistency. Um, like I, I find, so I've worked out prior before on a consistent manner. I've also lost 50, 60 pounds twice in my lifetime. Like, as you can tell, I fucking yo-yo diet, which is terrible. <laughs> One of the things I need to focus on is just long-term consistency, not trying to like, not only treat it as a short-term goal, but a lifelong goal. That's one of the things, right? Like, so my short term is 170, but I need to make a, a lifelong sort of thing. And it's not a race. It's a marathon. Fitness is a marathon, right? Like I could, I could lose and get down to that weight within a matter of three to four months. And I've done it before. I've gone on like freaking 800 calorie crash diets. The worst fucking thing there. It's mm. terrible, right? Then I've just bounced back. I know how to go about it, but I am just like, it's like a thought. So you don't only have a goal and where laser focus is to get there as quick as possible, which yeah. is usually... I wouldn't say you, it's mostly a good thing when you come yeah. from a, like in the financial space, but it's almost always the bad thing in the health space, right? Yeah. Like it's not consistent. <laughs> so I need to focus on consistency and see this as a long-term sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just need to build it into, into my habit. Um, yeah. So that's, that's one goal. Another one is wholesaling side of things. I know like I'm always talking about it, but I mean, fire's hot in it. So Obviously, the next logical things continue to scaling it. Uh, I mean, the revenue we're, we're hoping to get somewhere around the range of two point five million nice. next year from a sales point of view. Um, and the future hires in the wholesaling business are going to be base and commission structure to have a better net profit at the end of the day. And um, on top of that, continuing not only hiring but take off some work on the wholesaling side because the last. I want to say two to three months on wholesaling. It's been ridiculously busy for me, like just nonstop, non nonstop. Um, and there's been so many problems that come up in wholesaling in the background that I'm always trying to throw the fire out. So like, I just need to find a better way to, to have key hires in there, pay them accordingly that I can trust them to handle these things. And yeah. then only the bigger issues come to me. You know, like the life or death sort of situations don't move on to me, but I want people to be more independent, which is hard. You know, like most people are not independent. Yeah. Most people just want like not micromanage, but they need a lot of direction for every little thing. I want, I want like a self-starter. Um, so that's another thing. 2.5 million. We already know how we're going to get there. Scale up acquisitions, uh, scale up the disposition side. And really those are your two main focuses, right? Uh, and then there's like build up the systems and the how to close deals on, on a higher percentage basis. And the last one before I wrap up, I don't fucking going on a tangent right now. The last one here is on the acquisition side. I want to bring a focus back into that. I don't think I'm doing too many things at once, like wholesaling. Fine. Three. Fitness, fine. Yeah. Three goals. Yeah. Three goals. Yeah. Is always kind of like manageable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the acquisition side, like I'm, I'm hoping to get, 12 million uh incremental assets under management man million, michael a million a year i mean a million a month. a month yeah about a million a month right um and i'm looking at honestly i'm not looking at acquisition price i'm looking at arv when i calculate these things so it's a bit more inflated 
You know how you'll buy oh, something okay, for okay, five hundred and you have to put a yeah, hundred yeah. worth of work. But we work. when I calculate it, it's going to be on ARV because, like, my assumption is that all of these things are eventually going to be turned around to your ARV. Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. the goal much more easier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, you, yeah, uh, it's two properties. properties at five hundred each. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a mill, right? Uh, but yeah, no, twelve mil. Like, what, what markets started? are you? What markets are you planning to do that in? Um, honestly, man, I think we mentioned this in a previous episode, but like, I'm less market specific now. I just want to go wherever the best deals are that I have fall on my plate. Yeah, it needs to be within reasonable distance of GTA, but I'm I don't mind doing something in Kingston, then another thing in Guelph, and another thing in, in Sudbury. It's just wherever I can get the killer deals at. This 12 million assets under management. Like here's the thing is that yo, know, my a lot of people, and this includes yourself, too, like you are like you're hungry to do bigger, better things next level for me, man. Like Fuck, I just want to keep things simple and stupid. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm comfortable at where I'm at. Like I'm comfortable with turning around a triplex, a duplex, yeah. a fourplex, and yeah. I can do it well. I can do it quick. And the headaches and mistakes made along the way, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen a lot of them, right? So yeah. like I can kind of like do it with more, with, with less effort. Yes, it's going to hinder, quote unquote, the growth. Like I could probably be doing a lot bigger and better things over the long term if i just start trading up trading up trading up that's how you make money in real estate when you trade up to this bigger scale um properties but it's it's like i started reflecting is this really what i want mm. and it's not right like i don't want the additional learning curve and all of the additional risk because of the lack of learning that i like lack of experience i have in that next space yeah um I just, again, want to keep it simple and stupid. And what matters in real estate at the end of the days, in, in my head, is your assets under management. Because it's yep. going to be your, it's going to dictate your uh, equity pay down. It's going to dictate your appreciation, right? And yeah, I mean, cash flow, sure, whatever. But I'm less, care less about cash flow nowadays. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 12 million assets under management, that's like 300 to three hundred to 400K equity pay down every year. Yeah, right? like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of goals there. Um, money, no, I think that's good. Money. I think you you've got three solid goals. We'll talk about rise like later on as well. Um, yeah, my goals. I'm 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 sticking to the flipping goal, right? Like that one's got to be in there. Um, it, it's really stupid how we fucked that one up this year. Like we would have made it, but there was like one or two deals where we sold it for way less than we should have, which really fucked that up. So um, that one is a goal. It's not a crazy focus because to to me, flipping is not. It doesn't take that much time, right? So like even when I think about like, what are my three goals for next year? It's really not like flipping is not on there. It's kind of like an overarching vision for the 2022 that I want to get. Um, personal, like personal health and pause on like the that. flipping. Are you planning to still fund it straight cash or are you going to no. go explore? No. Like, so I'm, I'm talking to my flipping partner on January 8th. And, and so we'll kind of go over this. Um, I am planning to bring in more, more quantity of flips, lower margin, which then involves bringing in private capital, but I don't think we'll go hundred percent LTV on flips. Um, or even like 80, like, I, I think, you know, if I just take the cash that's already in that business and I redeployed over like two flips that allows us to go kind of like 50 to 60, 70% LTV, keeping the interest rates low, um, lender fees low. I ideally go to directly to individuals rather than institutions for private money. Right. Um, but we'll kind of, we'll see how that goes along. Right. Do um, you know how that would impact your profit margin of an average flip? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, it, it depends on how we do it, right? So this is what I'm going to talk to my partner about on January 8th. I've got properties that are sitting at low LTV, right? So I would almost rather secure my private money against those properties 
rather than securing against every acquisition. So I constantly have to like set up new private funds, pay it off, set it up again, pay lender fees, legal fees all the time. I'd rather just secure it against one property for the course of a year. Right. So I've got, um, honestly, I've got a bunch of properties that really low values. I'm I'm not really in a big rush to kind of like refinance them either. Like I kind of treat them as nest egg properties. So that might be the way that I go about it. Um, but yeah, that's a flipping one, uh, personal health. Yeah. Like I, so I'm hitting 30 years old next year. Okay. I want to be in the healthiest state I've ever been in my life. That's like my goal for like my personal health. Right. So that honestly, right now, the gym side is going pretty good. I want to increase the frequency of it, but I want to eat cleaner. And like my wife can probably hear this. And she's probably fucking getting excited about it, but I eat like shit. Like if I was to tell you my diet for the last like five days, it'd be like pie, Osmos, McDonald's, Wendy's, like just like garbage food constantly. constantly. Osmos is the cleanest meal you had. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> So, so, you know, eating, eating cleaner is definitely a big part of it. Um, I was talking about the business side, right? So the mortgage business want to hire two people. Um, I'll increase revenue, but as a result of hiring two people, um, I'd expect net income to kind of stay the same, but overall free up more of my time. I just want to work more with people on the acquisition side rather than on the fulfillment side, right? Meaning when they're like buying a property, they want advice on that. Like a lot of my mortgage clients come to me because it's kind of like a well-rounded kind of package, right? Um, so I'd rather work with them on that stuff, kind of like planning out how they're going to continue to grow and scale, stuff like that. Um, so that's a mortgage business that that will be there. The Airbnb space is uh, is a big focus for me next year as well. So this is kind of the third thing. Uh, made a pretty large acquisition into the Airbnb space. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm going to have partners on it. Uh, that will sort of propel me very fast into the Airbnb space. We'll talk more about this in a later episode as we get closer to closing date. Um, but it's up north. It's kind of a portfolio of cottages. Um, there's a banquet hall on it. It's a lot of like really cool shit that we can kind of expand and improve operations. So it's more of a business acquisition. Um, I do intend to acquire more Airbnbs. Um, I haven't really decided if it'll be in the vacation space or in kind of the business, uh, not business, um, like normal, like markets. I don't know what to call them now. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's probably going to be about like eight more acquisitions next year in like smaller, like single family duplexes, triplexes. So pause. Okay. Uh, question here. Why don't you convert your current portfolio into Airbnbs? Uh, different partners, different, um, like I, I was going to do the one in Toronto, right? I, I vacated it. And then I was just like, man, like the risk in Toronto is just not really worth it. Um, the current ones, honestly, they're all just really rented out, right? I'm like, uh, if something's already rented out, it's such a hassle to like get it vacant. Right. Um, and, and my big thing now is like, I like, Depending, it depends on the ownership structure and the partner, right? If I bought something with the partner that it was going to be a long-term rental and not, do I go into the arbitrage model with that partner, even though I have an equity stake in that part, in that property, right? Um, various things like that. And honestly, I would rather just acquire. Um, so, so I'm not trying to, so I'm, I'm sitting at 50 units right now, right? I'm not trying to crazy expand my real estate portfolio, but I am selling off things. And as I sell off things, I will buy, right? That's kind of my approach to the real estate portfolio. Um, and as I buy things, I'll make sure like, because I'm selling things off with a, with a low, uh, loan to value on them. Um, usually when I take out the capital, I'll, I'll buy something that's worth a lot more now, right. At 20% down payment. So that'd be kind of my real estate goal. It's going to be focused on the Airbnb space, um, Airbnb vacation homes, but also within larger kind of economic cities. Um, I might go solo. Most likely we'll bring on partners just because I, I can't qualify for mortgage right now anyways. Um, unless I go into the larger, the B lender, the, the private space and commercial portfolio mortgages, stuff like that. Right. Um, so that's overall goals for me. It's going to be, you know, improving overall health, growing out the mortgage business and the Airbnb space. 
do you want to talk about rise right now, Austin? Like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about rise, but just one quick comment on the Airbnb space. I forgot to mention that's something that I, I didn't mention that as a goal because I thought that like it's just going to happen as a result of these acquisitions. Similar to you, I'm going to try to convert some of the new acquisitions into Airbnbs, not all of them, but yeah. I want to give it a test run, right? Because you're leaving money on the table by not doing so. Tough part is you can't always refire furniture money out. If you have a full burr, yeah. it's not really a full burr anymore because there's a 10 or 15K in furniture. But ideally, that cash flow, the payback will make a lot more sense. But no, totally with you on that. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about the rise goal. Um, let's talk about some of the achievements that we had over the past yeah. year on a high level. My favorite, no, my favorite one. Okay. We hit over 100 reviews on Apple Podcast. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop bitching about it. <laughs> and stop like chirping in people's ears. Uh, what are we at? 102 reviews now? Four point nine stars. You. You're the one that tracks comments. <laughs> I am I am disappointed at the 4.9 should be five. We got one two star. So shut up. So we give us a two star? Yeah. Like <laughs> that, like man, I don't know what we did to piss that person off. We probably did something to piss that person off. But we're at 4.9 stars, 102 reviews. So super, super happy about that. Yeah. What are we, 130K downloads on all of yeah. our episodes so far? Yeah. So, so podcast hit over 100K plus. That was a, that was a big milestone for us. That's um, somewhere on average over like 2,000 to 2,500 downloads per episode because I think we're sitting at uh, 60 downloads, actually 60 episodes. So I guess that's about 2,000 downloads per episode. That was great. Rise Facebook group is sitting at 6,200 uh, 6, members and growing constantly every single day. We've got new people coming in. Uh, we had a couple of events during the year. Each one on average is probably 150 to 200 people in attendance, right? Or more. Um, They're all sold out. I think all of them oh, sold yeah. out. All, all of them sold out, except for the one that we did on OPM because we started marketing that like five days before the event, right? So uh, overall, like a lot of success on the Rise side. Rise is a business that is more so a passion project for myself in Austin, right? Um, it, it doesn't make a, a whole lot of money. Like it makes no money. I don't money, even right? think it made us any money this year. Like, <laughs> Because we had so, like, I don't think people realize the amount of expenses that go into yeah. operating rice, right? Like, we we have to hire a virtual assistant, um, like this mic, yeah, <laughs> your yeah. mic as well, our yeah. banner, which people never get to see. It's <laughs> just <laughs> not ready in person events. Yeah. But but here's what I will say about rise, right? Like, we see potential in rise. We see potential in the ability to grow on a community um, that honestly is value value first, right? So we've always been big on providing really good value, whether it's through our courses, the networking events, whatever. We just basically operate things that kind of a break even to kind of recoup our costs. But we want to continue to build and scale out a community um, within Rise, right? We want to go back to doing one event per month. Uh, we want to. We're, we're probably gonna we're gonna be rolling out some online courses because everyone. Like, here's the thing. I do coaching calls. Austin has stopped doing coaching calls. I really want to stop doing my coaching calls. Okay. My coaching calls I did on Friday at, I think it was probably like 11 or 12 PM. And then another slot at 2 PM. So I give I'm surprised why you still do it. It's just people ask, ask me stuff. Right. And it's like, you know what? Like, I, I don't mind answering your question. Yeah. I, I've got to get calmed. Sometimes I'll like, if it's really like quick, I'm just like, yo, just ask me on Instagram. I'll respond to you. Right. Like we just call it a day there. Um, but whatever. So people ask for coaching calls and they book coaching calls. I honestly don't think people need coaching calls. I think they just need like training specific, like education, right? So myself and Austin, we're going to be bringing in a few other people during the year to kind of release um, online courses, teachables, right? Things that you can kind of keep within your inventory for the for the next couple of years as you kind of grow out and build out your own business. 
Um, and for for the, the last goal for the Rise space, he's going to be moving into YouTube during the year 2022. So we're planning to provide more and more value through events, online courses, and getting into the YouTube space in 2022. So yeah, so we have a lot of things in the pipeline. Uh, <laughs> we're we're working on a ton of things, both on the both on the personal side and on the Rise side. Ultimately, it all comes down to bringing as much value to you guys as possible. Appreciate all of the support. We want to get your feedback as well. If there's anything that you feel like we could have done differently, here's one feedback that I can give to both of us right now. Consistency. <laughs> Consistency in episode release. Don't worry, we're going to improve that in 2022. But if there's any feedback you have, whether in the content, um, in the Facebook group, I know there's a ton of improvement in the Facebook group. Me and Maya already discussed that. But anything that you want to see, speakers you want to see, um, different guests you want to see in the podcast, anything really that you want us to dive deeper into or that will help bring more value to the overall audience, do let us know. Send a DM to the Rise Instagram page. The link is in the show notes. It's Rise Network Events as well if you're just on Instagram. Um, we're going to be reviewing them throughout the next couple of weeks and, and taking them to heart while we're still planning out the new year. Also, on top of that, speaking about the new year, uh, we're going to have our first rise event in January with all of these, this new variant and all of the COVID stuff going on. Like I I'm almost certain there's going to be more shutdowns again, limited capacity. We're probably going to have the event online, something we're still discussing, but plan for that to be, um, we're having that event in January. It's going to be another almost like full day event, about six, seven hours long going into the one-on-one real estate. If you guys were there last year, um, Mayu and I are going to be going over similar material with some updates based on the feedback that we got. And we're going to be removing and adding some other content that we think would be more valuable for our audience. So the details are not out yet, but keep in tuned on the Facebook group. You'll see updates when we do release the event. We're going to limit to limit it to about 150 people, probably going to sell out again. So just keep an eye out for that. And um, I think that's, that's, that's everything that we have here. Again, guys, appreciate you joining our journey, listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. How did your year go? Hopefully your year went really well as well. Hopefully you're planning for goals in 2022, because if you're not planning, then you're just planning for failure. I don't know who I stole that from, but okay, I thought it'd be pretty cool to end off on that note. Um, until next time, everyone, invest smarter and live better. You know what? Actually, before we get to that, let's get those likes to 200. That's my new goal. That's my new goal. 200 likes for the podcast by 2022. Or let's call it 250, a stretch goal. So 250, so start going on Apple Podcasts and reviewing and liking it. Invest smarter and live better, everyone. Take care.